0: Let's try not to drag anyone for expressing themselves and just have fun for an hour. We all deserve it.
1: This episode contains mentions of Doctor Who and the Assassin's Blade, along with conversations surrounding sexual assault, sex trafficking, and sex work.
0: And welcome to A Court of Fandoms and Exploration, your weekly deep dive into the YA literature and fandoms that we love. I'm Laura Marie. And I'm Jessica Marie. And today we are discussing a movie that has shaped me, changed me, and made me into the person I am today. And it is Moulin Rouge. This is easily one of my top five favorite movies. Rewatching this,
1: I didn't realize how much of my real-life reactions I pull from this movie. I mean, from everything. Just with Siddler, like, everything's going so well. How animated he is. Um, just, <laughs> you're the only person who sometimes I think would get my re- my reactions in life because I'll just go, the Maharaja, the hand motion and all, and nobody, nobody gets it. You're the only person who gets it.
0: This movie is absolutely wonderful it's fantastic obviously uh we love it we're discussing it people really don't like it and one of the first experience that well okay
1: do we want to preface what the movie is about
0: <laughs> no i don't even want to talk about what the movie is about just yet i just want to talk about my first exposure to this movie okay. and then we, we then we can go from there and talk about the plot uh my first exposure to this movie i saw this movie on a sunday and I saw it with my friend Anne-Marie. It was a 10 a.m. matinee. And the Saturday, the day before, we had seen um, Pearl Harbor with Ben Affleck and Josh Hartnett. <laughs> and uh, that was her oh, choice. so hot then. I know, it was so hot then. That was Anne-Marie's choice, Pearl Harbor. And my choice was Moulin Rouge. She hated that movie. And it was so devastating. So Moulin Rouge was the first movie where I knew that I was watching something special. I was in the theater and um, the narcoleptic Argentinian falls through the roof and I looked over at her and I was, and in my head I was like, this is different. I, I didn't know like movies could be like this. And her face was just like confusion and just not into it at all. And then by the time we get to Kylie Minogue as the green fairy, like I'm sold. I'm in like I knew that this would change my life. And she she was done. And we walk out of there and I'm going on and on and on about like the, the shots and the angles and the lighting and how the the windmill you know, goes. You can hear the, the creaking of the windmill and how the camera goes over. And she looks at me and goes, well, you know, her lipstick was perfect the whole time. Just like, totally. That's the only. That was her only takeaway. That was it. And I remember being devastated because I love something that she didn't love. And like, obviously, we did not remain friends. And-
1: <laughs> that was it. We were like, we're no it. Longer- <laughs> <laughs> That was it.
0: But again, this is also the first time that I became aware of movie reviews. Up until this point, like movie reviews were not a thing. Like, you know, we were young, whatever, but. I went home and I talked to my mom, and I said, "Mom, you know this is amazing." And I tell her all the same stuff I told Amory, and she was just like, "Well, I read some reviews that said it was really bad." It's like, but uh, but it's it's not it's not bad. It it is going to and now has changed my life, and to this day she has not seen it because the reviews stick in her head. And one of the reviews, and I tried really hard to find the the, like, article that it came from, and I couldn't find it, but one of the reviews was that it was, like, watching a ferret on acid. Like, that's what this movie was. And I was just like, well, yeah, and that's that's the point. Like, that's, right. what, that's what we wanted. And so, uh, very formative, just, ooh.
1: I feel like people didn't, and still don't, in a way, appreciate the art. And that's what it is. That this movie is is living, moving art. And I know that sounds like like this, this pretentious cinephile, but it is beautiful in every aspect. And I think it was up for nine Oscar noms. And when this movie came out, I was probably not allowed to watch it because I never watched it. I remember the music video existing for Lady Marmalade, and that alone changed me. You had, you know... Maya Pink, Lil Kim and Christina Aguilera and they were on MTV on TRL all the time. That was a top and all I could think of was I want to be them. I want to be confident and sexy and empowered and I still want to feel that way. And that music video changed like that music video changed me and then I think that music video is why they even like I was not allowed to watch it for so long let's not forget I was in a very Bubble, very much of a, a sheltered bubble. Um, but then I had a friend, shout out to Nikki Wayon. She doesn't listen to this, but she will forever be in my heart. She goes, You haven't watched this? I go, No. So we did a girl sleepover, we watched it, done. I was changed. It was amazing. I, you know, and re-watching it this time. There's obviously we we've we briefly talked about it last night about lived experiences change how we consume media um but there it was just it was just beautiful and wow and i remember back when people would ask those thought-provoking questions what are the three albums or three cds that you would bring with you on a stranded island and not standing ourselves because nobody really listens to cds anymore it's more about collecting them this was this was always one of the three every time and i still and still to this day would be one of the soundtracks that i would take with me on a deserted island
0: Absolutely. Well, you have excellent taste. We all know this. We all know this. But, uh, uh,
1: it's like, and like you were saying, the Green Fairy. I I didn't realize how much th- there are certain things that have shaved me. Dancing on bars, completely influenced by Coyote Ugly. Going going to town with absinthe. Th- this movie was like I I am. <laughs> this movie was like oh maybe this is where part of my extrovertedness comes from. <laughs> Um, Because I wanted to be the who doesn't want to be Kylie Minogue in these moments and have the fun and have the freedom. I mean, everything about the like the children of the revolution of the Bohemian revolution, truth, beauty, freedom and love seems pretty formulaic to me. Why wouldn't you want to have a life of happiness like that?
0: Oh, gosh. Uh, Interesting. You know, we're talking about the Green Fairy. Did you know that when Kylie Minogue's eyes go red, that's actually Ozzy Osbourne?
1: Only when we were doing research
0: for this. Mm -hmm. I had no idea otherwise. And that's his voice. Yeah, that's his scream. Uh, Really fantastic. We have an article that has, like, you know, facts that you didn't know about the movie that we will probably link in show notes. It's really good. It has all of the, like, major ones that we know. And, uh, okay. So, this movie, Moulin Rouge, is the third movie in the Red Curtain trilogy, from Baz Luhrmann, the other two being Strictly Ballroom and uh, Romeo and Juliet, which is the t-shirt that I'm wearing right now, Romeo and Juliet. And the box set came out in 2002. And in the box set included a whole extra CD of all of the, or sorry, DVD, of (laughs) all of the extras uh, from Moulin Rouge. And in that DVD contained the extended Roxanne version, Jess, I shared oh, the YouTube video. We with should you. add that in the show notes too. It is my favorite. I mean, the whole movie is my favorite, but Roxanne is just the epitome for me. It doesn't get any better than that. And it's wonderful and magical. And like, I know the dance. I can't dance, but in my head, like, I know <laughs> the dance. I know the steps. I know the music. I know everything. So Boz Lerman just shaped my whole life. And he doesn't know it. Obviously, but I feel like for a certain like subset of the population that that's probably true, don't you think so? Oh, absolutely. And I'm thinking of you've seen Strictly Ballroom.
1: I still have not, and I know you still. Every time we talk about Moulin Rouge or Romeo and Juliet, because again, it's Romeo and Juliet was the vhs that i had on repeat along with the first tape of titanic and spice world like those were we don't watch yeah we don't watch the second tape of titanic we don't watch the second tape but i mean just romeo and juliet alone constantly on repeat at my my father's house when i was over there every other weekend and he he really did shape the appreciation that we have. And he has such a specific style in cinematography that if you went into a movie, not knowing who the filmmaker was, I feel like all you need to do is sit down for five minutes and you know exactly that it's a Baz Luhrmann film.
0: Absolutely. No question. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about Moulin Rouge, what it is, the things that we love. And we have some reviews. Like I put reviews in our, in our discussion notes, from people and it's just like so incredibly frustrating some of these reviews but people did not like this movie they they didn't they thought it was like too busy it was too much it was like too sensual but that's what it's supposed to be exactly our our editor sam said you know all these crusty white people can't appreciate art and i was just like
1: for, for those who have the money and like to spend it, you know, at least know how to appreciate it. There is a difference.
0: For real. So Moulin Rouge is a retelling of Orpheus and Eurydice, And we love this because, and I have it, I have it right here. Uh, Orpheus was a musician, poet, and prophet in Greek mythology He was considered the best musician and poet of all time, and he perfected the lyre.
1: Yeah. Oh, cool.
0: Yep. Uh, And he was taught to play that as a child, which is interesting because uh, he is the um, sitar player later on. So it all just kind of, you know, goes together. So we love that. Orpheus. Orpheus loses your city she dies and he he goes to the underworld and uh you know she is trapped there and he makes a bargain and wants to pull her out and and save her but he fucks it up and um she ends up back in the underworld and that is exactly what this is that's exactly what happens here she's she's already trapped right um satine nicole kidman nominated for an oscar didn't win should have she is trapped in in the underworld you know creatures of the underworld we don't get to love and and christian wants to run away with her he wants to pull her out and it's it's beautiful and he fucks it
1: up for everybody when he's like she doesn't love you him she doesn't love him <laughs> uh- i have so many responses when i when i'm like, <laughs> like no, you're the, literally the only person who understands when I insert this dialogue into my life.
0: Uh so, everybody sang on set. Everybody sang. it was their own voices. Oh, my God. No, Nic- there were accidents on set. There were long-lasting like repercussions for the actors that happened on set. Nicole Kidman uh broke her rib twice. Yes. And it cost her the lead in Panic Room. And um, Shout out Jodie Foster. Shout out Jodie Foster. She did her own, uh, her entry as the teen on the trapeze. That was her. She trained for, you know, weeks to be able to pull that off. And, you know, she sang live, Ewan McGregor, this is how he will forever be for me.
1: Yeah, it when he when they announced the Obi-Wan series and I go, "Oh my gosh, you know, I'm so excited." And then they showed his recent headshot, it threw me, not that he doesn't look bad, but I go, "Oh, he aged." <laughs> I had no idea. Oh, I had no idea cuz he's for he's immortalized as Christian in my
0: head. And one of the things that I really love about his performance besides the fact that he can sing Oh my gosh, I I didn't know that he could sing, but god, can he sing. Is he's having so much fun. Like his joy, like when he's happy, his joy is just so clear and it shines through and it's just so beautiful to watch and uh he he's just he's just fantastic. Another um uh I guess accident, it's not really an accident but John Leguizamo With is the PT. On, Well, yeah, because he's on his knees the whole time and they CGI shoes and he had um, chronic back problems because of this.
1: Yeah, there was a comment that he I I was, was looking at in an interview where he was saying that him and Nicole Kidman were fighting over who would get to the PT first after after their roles, like after they taped for the day um he's so good in this movie i mean i feel like he's great in any role that he takes
0: i love him john leguizamo i think is an underappreciated actor i feel like people don't use him uh to his like full capacity as an actor but in this role he shines uh, he did a one
1: man one show kind of thing on broadway within like within the last few years before you know pandemic hit like, I believe how it. How cool is that? I don't know. He seems something. He's just that multi-talented man. Whatever he you throw at him, he, he just he does it with such finesse. Uh,
0: just he's just so wonderful. And then um, Ziedler, obviously, all of the dancers. You know, the dancers are, are kind of unnamed. There's uh, Nini. She's named, and like Baby Doll. There. I mean, there's a few of them that are like actually named, but. You know they're all just so fantastic and so stunning, and the Duke obviously, ugh, what a pig!
1: You you saw my reaction video to his small dick energy, and even when he was like first meets Satine formally in the elephant, he's like the pleasure. Oh, she's like, oh, it's a pleasure to meet you. You know, she's just being customer service friendly, like a polite woman and he goes the pleasure i fear will be entirely mine fuck off like i already hate you we hated you before we hate you more now with your sde and it's complete foreshadowing to the
0: to 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 him about to sexually assault her you say foreshadowing there are four instances of foreshadowing of satine's death in this movie and the first one is when it's very on the nose. Nicole Kidman as Satine descending from the the trapeze for Diamonds Are Our Girl's Best Friend with the blue light. They use blue light so that because her skin was so pale, it, it looked like it would glow. And she looks amazing. And Nicole says, the French are glad to die for love. And on die, it shows uh, like her face in her Hindi courtesan costume falling back (gasps) oh and that is the first foreshadowing instance they do it uh two more times like that using that same frame and then it happens and that's the fourth and final um at the very end that's like that gasp
1: that she takes in the courtesan oh i
0: didn't even pick up on that yeah so yeah foreshadowing very big it's just it's just so fantastic um Sam wants me to mention that it is part of the Red Curtain Trilogy. So when the uh, opening is the orchestra and there's the conductor up there and he's having so much fun, uh, Sam loves conducting. So he was like, that guy is having the time of his life. <laughs> I love I love the opening and it, and it ends the same way. Mm-hmm. It it's ends the closure the of same the trilogy. It's, it's a beautiful like framework story. So, oh, my gosh. Um there's so much that we can say about this so we'll we'll try to like you know keep it on. Um this the music is such a big part of this and I know it took 2 years for them to get like the rights to the music and they had to pay you know a lot of money for it but um the sound of music in the beginning is just so fantastic especially like now like where I am and like I mean I'm not in Switzerland but this setting is kind of the same with the hill, you know, and the, yeah, all of that. But he's in his little outfit and uh, it's just so magical. And uh. he has such a way to bring
1: modernism into into older stories. I mean, this movie right off the bat says it takes place in 1899. We also know his previous work with Romeo and Juliet and that took place a long time ago. also I can't think of the century right off the top of probably like the 16th century, 17th century. I don't know. Um, but um, he has a way to, to bring it to, to the now, which is what he does with the music. So wonderfully between the sound of music with Nirvana's smell like teen spirit, your song, bringing Elton John um, I will always love you originally by Dolly Parton and then obviously Whitney. It's so incredible and, it, and it's it's so seamless how he integrates it into the film and the medleys and I remember when you were prepping for your wedding, you were we were contemplating you're like we might we might do the elephant medley as our as our vows.
0: Because, um, editor Sam and I love to sing like show tunes and stuff when we're in the car. And it's very special. He called me in here the other day. He got, he was like, what are you doing? Do you want to sing Les Mes? And I was like, yeah, I do. So I came in here <laughs> when he was working. Uh, it, it's just, it's just really fantastic. And this movie got compared a lot to The Night's Tale because The Night's Tale is also a movie that pulls in modern music. But in that instance, it's a little jarring and people were like, eh, eh about I it. Didn't. But- yeah, but in this, oh Heath Ledger, but uh, Sh- Shannon Sossaman, oh my God, uh, Alan Alan Tudyk, um, oh so good. But that that movie is is a little bit jarring with the modern music, and and this one, as you said, fits kind of seamlessly. And and also, I think in kind of a, a stage spectacular setting, uh, the music is reworked a bit. And it, it is it flows and it doesn't seem as jarring and it fits everything uh, really well and it it moves the story along, which is is really lovely. And then of course at the end when Satine is singing the you know the Diamond Song again, it's totally reworked uh, to kind of fit that situation. And it's just it's just absolutely, absolutely fantastic i just cannot say enough about it
1: i love with your song and they're in the elephant all the euphemisms that come with it because of the miscommunication like we know um but it just makes me giggle because he has this one thing going on in his head she has another He's singing your song and i remember i mean i didn't when this movie came out it was still in my bubblegum pop music listening so when i eventually watched it with my stepmom, when I was allowed to start watching it, she goes, oh, your song is in here. And I go, this isn't my song. <laughs> she goes, no, the song, your song. I go, I, I, I know what you're saying. This isn't my song. I had clearly I had no exposure to Elton John, except can you feel the love tonight and circle of life up until that point in my life. <laughs>
0: But that's okay. That's all fixed now. Now we love Elton, and you know we we recognize, yeah, Yeah. we recognize his cultural impact and love his hits. So, uh, Nicole Kidman is having a blast in this scene that you're describing, uh, when she's like, "Oh, naughty words, yes, poetry," and she starts like faking (laughs) orgasms and stuff, and he's looking at her like, "What are you doing?" (laughs) It reminded me of... Did you ever
1: watch The Sweetest Thing with Cameron Diaz? I did. You know the part where they're in the Chinese restaurant and they're like, what have we taught you? And then they go, oh my gosh, it's the biggest thing I've ever... Like, just the exaggeration of everything. That's what this movie, that scene, reminds me of. Of, like, stroking the man's ego, right? Leading up to everything. Oh, it's fantastic. The cast, chemist, and you were saying how much fun that she had and how much fun Ewan McGregor had. It reminded me, I was reading another article where they were, I guess they did a, a, an actors on actors with vari- variety, and they were saying just the chemistry amongst the cast Everybody was always having fun. They were having parties all the time. And I guess at one point she goes, "Do you remember that one time?" He goes, "I don't remember any Friday or Saturday night. Like I don't know what to tell you." <laughs> I believe like, to that to be on like to be and you know, you know they just felt like a cast that it wasn't it was everybody. It was crew. It wasn't just the the
0: the you know,
1: the, MCs. the, the talent. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It, it... Gives me very much Mamma Mia vibes where like everybody's wasted on Uzo and Mamma Mia and just like having the best time at cast parties. Like I feel like this was like the, the like OG of that. Yeah. And it's, it's just, it's just so fantastic. Um, spectacular, spectacular, as long as we're talking about being in the elephant. Um, that is one of those scenes where I can watch it and I have watched it a million times. And if I focus on a single character, and just watch them, I will see something completely new and different. One of the characters that I was watching when I was watching this is the the bald, white man that plays the piano. The composer? Yeah. And he has a scarf wrapped around him. That is a direct throwback to Doctor Who, and the one of the original doctors who wears the long scarf Because they wanted to make him seem like more bohemian. And that is one of those one of those things. So it is it is it's there. Like you can read about it. That's that was a conscious choice by Boz's wife, the costume designer. And that was when the original Doctor Who was
1: out. This wasn't even when they did a resurgence of (gasps) it.
0: That's cool. Right? It's just like one of those things. Like you if you watch this movie and you just say, like, okay, I'm, I'm only going to watch it for this character, and you only watch that character, you will find something that you have never seen before, every single time. And that is the beauty of this. Also, the beauty of this is the completely manic performance of Spectacular Spectacular. I love it so much. I, like, obviously, I know all the words, and I know all the gestures and stuff, but I can't imagine rehearsing that and 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 then just like knowing that you know that this movie just kind of reinforces the fact that i can never and will never be an actor yeah
1: i mean i we already know that i'm somebody who could just like giggle on site so there's certain things where like you said the chaos and the how do you keep i know that how do you keep a straight face and yes it's oh that's my job how how How? i would lose it every time even if i knew everything i would still not be able to get into the zone i'd be just giggling the whole time like i can't believe we're doing this this is so fun
0: one of the tropes that is recurring in in this movie is um well the bloody handkerchief trope Satine is dying of consumption it is made clear to us the viewer right at the beginning right away Uh, There is a framework to this story, and it starts off with Christian, uh, you know, it's a year later, he's depressed, he's in his hotel room, and he starts writing, and, you know, he says right away, the woman I love is dead. And then it goes back in time, and we have the, the whole story of Moulin Rouge, and then it ends with him, you know, depressed again, finishing the story in his hotel room and kind of like, you know, coming out of it, right? But we, the viewer know that she's dying christian during like during does not and Satine does not she does
1: not either that was one of re-watching it i was like wait does she know she's dying she's not told that she's dying till the end so she's living her life not knowing she everybody around
0: her knows and nobody has
1: told her yet
0: because the show must go on
1: The show must go
0: on. And that is also like kind of a recurring thing. But the the bloody handkerchief is is one of those tropes that like come, you know, it shows the viewer like sickness. And it's it's there, you know, I think three times with the handkerchief maybe. And then she faints a couple of times. So it's very clear that when her emotions are high and, you know, she has a lot going on, that that is when her symptoms like kind of kick in. And um, it's just really tragic. And I feel like the fainting didn't set off anybody
1: either because she was wearing corsets. You know, that's just part of the symptoms of wearing corsets. Because she even says, oh, these silly things, these costumes, you know, she kind of just writes it off.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. And, I mean, I personally think that Nicole Kidman is absolutely beautiful. But she, in this role, really shines. Do you notice her coloring being completely similar to um, Ziedler. In the fact that she's pale? They both have red hair. They both have blue Wait. eyes. They're both very pale. Wait, is that her dad? It's not ever like explicitly said, but it, I mean, it's it's very like, when they have scenes like next to each other, I mean, their eyes are the same color. Their hair is the same color. It even has the same kind of, like, orangey lightness around, like, the temples and stuff. So I always Is this a fan theory? I don't know. I've never, like, looked it up. It's just in my head, he has always been, like, her dad.
1: I think of him as a father figure, but I never
0: thought of him as her actual father. If you pull up pictures of, like, their characters, like, side by side, it is uncanny. And I feel like that was a, like, a conscious choice. Like, they had to say, okay, you're both gonna have the red hair, you're bo- yeah. <laughs> I didn't because
1: obviously, we know that Siddler, I mean, they don't say it, but he's the pimp of Moulin Rouge, like, that's what he is. And obviously, she's the star of his show, and she was always like, oh, you're going to be a a real actress, you're gonna get out of here, one of the things that I found interesting, and maybe this makes could make sense now. So S- Siddler refers to Satine with a multitude of pet names. He's like, oh, my pigeon, my gosling, my duckling, my sparrow. And birds in general are a symbol of freedom. They have the ability to fly. And Satine is singing like, one day I'll fly away. It's very symbolic of her and her dreams. Um, but the irony is that she can't follow those dreams and then birds and i looked this part up when birds are seen in dreams they are good omens of life rebirth intelligence peace hope and love so but now now i'm
0: wondering about we knew she was his favorite but is it because she's his daughter and the only like, physical birds that we see are the birds in Satine's dressing room, and those birds are in a cage. In a cage. Mm-hmm. So,
1: yeah. I'm, Look. like, I'm in shock right now. Because, and we were, we were talking about the show must go on, and it aligns with Satine very much at the beginning of the movie, where Satine is always about the bigger picture she understands the sacrifice she understands what she what the job is to secure the duke to secure this you know because it's not just for her livelihood it's for everybody and she understands that and she's putting that ahead of her own um her she's she's being very self-sacrificing with the choices that she has to make and it aligns with the siddlers the show must go on correlates to Baz in this production because one of the like the facts that we found out through this um leading up until this episode was the first day of production is Baz Lerman's father passed away and he was almost going to give up this whole thing and he remembered that his dad basically said like no you need to continue with this you have this vision you need to continue this is something that you love but it was the first time in Baz's life where he had never been this workaholic because he didn't know how to continue. And I feel like between Satine being bigger picture and Siddler being the show must go on. I think this is just such a, we talk about how much this movie has shaped us and I didn't realize it till this morning. It's another thing where this is a combination of both of us really, because between those two, despite other shit going on this it's just so much deeper and reflective of how we live our lives.
0: And you say, like, um, uh, Baz's dad said, like, you know, keep going, keep doing this, and that is how this movie ends with Satine dying, telling Christian he's got to go on, you know, tell the story. So tell our
1: story. Mm-hmm,
0: so it's very, you know, it's you know, open and shut kind of there. And then, of course, the credits roll, and it says it's dedicated to his father, which is, you know, just just wonderful. Uh, we're talking about the Duke, we're talking about, you know, the show must go on. The Duke is there to invest. And this is something that you learn in the cut scenes. But the reason that they need a Duke or anybody really to invest is because Ziedler is obsessed with electricity and he is obsessed with making the Moulin Rouge um, all electric. That's what he
1: wants. So When oh, he says it in some of the lyrics that he's saying, electrifying, uh, captivating, okay.
0: Yeah. And so uh, specifically when he is up on the, the platform and he, he's, you know, we have created the the world's first all singing, all dancing, um, you know, totally bohemian, electric, you know, that. And then again, you know, electricity, you know, as he said, when he's singing, uh, that subplot Was cut out. And when you watch the, the extras, you can, you can see like where the cuts are. Um, and specifically a moment that really bothers me in this movie is a bad cut. And it's when, uh, they're doing the can can kind of in the beginning. And there's a part where Ziedler like does like a backflip or whatever. And he has his arms out and it says like can 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 kind of like, you know, out, mm-hmm. and it's it's a, it, it's meant to be kind of, um, I mean, it's meant to be there for stylistic reasons, but the reason it's there is because it's a cut scene where they're talking about electricity. So that is why they need someone to invest because Ziedler has bank- basically bankrupted the Moulin Rouge. With his obsession about electricity and that is not addressed at all. We just kind of assume that they need an investor for like reasons. Other
1: things. Yeah. yeah. I didn't I didn't know it was because he bankrupt. And again, like I haven't watched I don't have D V D player anymore. Now I have the collector's edition just
0: chilling on a shelf. Oh, uh, it's it's amazing. It's amazing. Um cannot recommend the the extra like bonus edition DVD to this enough. It is it is just so fantastic. You learn so much. Uh, one of the most awkward scenes to me is the like a virgin dance number scene. But one of the most interesting things that I learned is during that scene, they had to coat the floor with Coca-Cola so that they wouldn't slip. And watching it, knowing that you're like, oh, yeah, I can see that. They're jumping all around. Yeah, because but
1: but then take that image and how graceful they are when they're floating in their dance movements, knowing that the floor is sticky. Mm-hmm. I watched this on Amazon Prime, and Amazon Prime has that cool, like, pop-up video, Fun Facts, if you're watching it. So that's how I found out. But there are certain parts in that song where the actor who plays Siddler, they replace his voice with an Italian opera singer. Oh, sure. Uh, I didn't know that. I didn't know that.
0: They do that as well. Um, He is is also supposed to be the moon uh, whenever the moon is singing. And they do that there as well. Okay. Yeah. Which is also really beautiful because like the moon is singing and the stars are colliding. Like that is that is just so incredibly wonderful. Um, Yeah. So like a like a virgin really cements that the Duke is a creep. Ugh. He guys uh,
1: It's oh, continue because I'm just gonna. I'm just. He, he, I'm just livid with him at all times. Because wh- what's one of the lines he says? He goes. I don't like when other people touch my things, and seeing that again after reading all uh, Assassin's Blade, he, it's just so arabin
0: of him. I hate it so much. Oh, definitely. Um. So the the Duke. So Ziedler obviously knows at this point that Satine is sick at the very least. You know, maybe not that she's dying yet, but like she she won't be there. And uh, he comes up with this brilliant lie. You know, Ewan says like uh, zedler's brilliant lies had saved us again. And his lie is that she's at church confessing because the Duke makes her feel like a virgin. And the Duke is so, like, randy about that. He's like, like a virgin. And it's so gross. It's so
1: gross. And he goes, she looks, you know, and we know that um, Satine is a lady of the night. She is a very, she is, like, the best escort in all of Paris at this point. Um, and he, so we know her profession. And so when Siddler tells the Duke, um, oh, she looks to this like her wedding night. Oh, my gosh. Like, that's, it's just so creepy. It reminds me of all, of like, of uh, people who just like sex traffickers who only look for for virgins and just people who are sick. Like it's one thing if you're a virgin and you're in love or you care about the person and it's your choice and your consent, but he's just so like you said he's so excited about this concept. It's he's just he's creepy. He's creepy, and I think that it's when Nini, the the one can can dancer, is like, oh, the Duke is not going to get his money his money's worth it just reminds me of how women in sex work are seen as objects and not people and that is infuriating me and then you just see it secured with how the duke treats sateen the whole time
0: it, it yeah it's absolutely disgusting and even like ziedler he doesn't care he doesn't care at all the show must go on it's about the show it's about the money it's about you know everything else and his dream of having a theater and like it just so happens that Satine's dream of being an actress like coincide with his dream but he's not like supporting her right he's not giving her the tools necessarily to like make her dream come true he's just doing what he wants
1: right which is also why I really have, a, I think, watching it this time around, I have a different respect for Satine, whereas before I watched the movie as entertainment and then I was just be able to dissect it a little bit more, that Satine has this dream... She is a survivor. She will do anything to pursue this dream. Even though she's, she knows she's not feeling so hot, but she's still persevering. And she says it to Christian when Christian's like, Oh, a life without love is terrible. And she goes, No, a life on the street. That's terrible. She knows what it takes. And I love that not, never is there a point in this, in this movie that she sees herself as a victim. She sees herself as. She is a, a survivor. She is a warrior. She perseveres and she does what it takes to 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 live, to keep
0: living her life, and to live a life. Uh, absolutely. Um, so, come what may.
1: I cannot believe that was supposed to be in Romeo and Juliet.
0: Mm hmm. I know it, it's did been. You, was it's that fantastic. like a new fact for you, or did you know that? I I knew that because Come What May could not be nominated for an Oscar because it was intended for use in another movie, oh. and th- those are like Oscar rules. Like, so That's I knew that. Oscar. Yeah.
1: Meanwhile, uh, if it wasn't, that absolutely would have would have won the Oscar for Best Original Song or whatever the technical award is.
0: It's absolutely wonderful, and. In, interestingly enough the the film version of come what may is my preferred version the version on the soundtrack uh, does it for me but not as much and that's because of the the haunting piano at the end um I, that is that is my favorite part but come what may i sob i sob during come what may it's not my ugly cry i'm not at my ugly cry yet but i <laughs> but i am crying there um the line that Sets me off every single time and always has is when Satine sings, suddenly my life doesn't seem such a waste. It's all because of you. So she at this point, she she has tried to break up with Christian and and he's and she's like, you know, I have to sleep with the Duke on opening night and the jealousy is going to destroy you. And of course, she's right, because women are always right. But <laughs> Yeah, always right. And um but Christian says like no I won't get jealous I'll, I'll write a song and however bad things are we'll sing it and hum it and whistle it and we'll know that we love each other right And of course you know it's they they use that in that capacity throughout the rest of the film but just just the those those words like suddenly my life doesn't seem such a waste sets me off and she looks beautiful her hair's up she's got the she's got that winged eyeliner it just uh it's so fantastic and then right after this is when christian fucks it all up
1: fucks it up fucks it up and you had said to me the other day oh um i always turn it off after roxanne and i go you don't wait for come what may and i didn't realize you were talking about when the first introduction of come up may because we get it throughout because that's their song that's what they say it's just one of those like if you're out in public and you don't want to be super PDAe that's their little their thing to each other and i i forgot you were i didn't realize you were mentioning the first one because i think of it you know after Roxanne when she's up in the tower and then at the end of the movie where it's the grand finale when they change where it's not supposed to be, the Maharaja ending, but the original ending. Like that is such a beautiful that whole scene, the confetti coming down, the the costumes, everything about this movie. It might sound like we're just broken records for this whole episode, but it's it's it really it is a spectacular.
0: It is and. It, ugh. Well, and you say that you really you have come to respect Satine in in a different way, because like now we're adults and we, we recognize like her her qualities. Something that I love about her is that she sees that Christian has fucked up, right? Like Nini's tipped, tipped off the Duke. The Duke's like aware of it now. And Satine, you know, turns on her actress like self uh-huh. and, she, and she she steps down from the stage like fucking boss. Ah, queen shit.
1: Queen shit, why she was doing that. I mm-hmm. loved it. Uh, these, you know, she goes, Ugh, these writers, they just get infatuated with me. I mean, how could you not? Ah,
0: love it. Yeah. And she's like, how about you and I have some supper and then we will tell them how we prefer it to end. Like she totally, you know, turns everything on its head and, and takes everything onto herself. Woman is the neck. Mm. Woman is the neck. I love it. I love that. And then immediately after this, we get Roxanne. And we've talked a little bit about Roxanne, but just it is, it is everything. Like the grand finale is the grand finale and that is in its own category. But Roxanne is just so powerful. It's powerful. And like, like, you know, uh, Ewan McGregor's voice and, and, and the dancers and, and the story that they're telling with the tango. And then, and then we get the scenes of her, of Satine's attempted rape in the tower. And it's just, it's so, it's so much. It's, so, it's so much. I, I will go on and on. So please stop me. Um,
1: I, I mean, not only because Roxanne is obviously like taken from, you know, um, the 80s song Roxanne and is made into this, as we've referenced it before, integrated it into this musical so seamlessly and it's the scene in its entirety from the Roxanne part to Ewan McGregor's part. One of my favorite cinematic scenes in my head and I will die on that hill. I don't, I can't think of any of the other scenes I'm comparing it to, but every time I watch that or anytime somebody asks, like, what's one of your favorite movie scenes? This one, this one is in, the, in the top how can you it's beautiful and like you were saying and we'll add it into the show notes the extended cut how do you not want to pick up ballroom dancing after this i mean just it's so very technical and beautiful and the tango is sensual and it's telling a story i feel like this was the first time you can look at a dance outside of ballet
0: and feel a story being told it's it's so beautiful. If you know it's on YouTube, we'll post it in the show notes. The extended version will blow your mind. Um, after this scene, after Shakala punches out the Duke, and and you know they have and Satine goes to Christian in the hotel. There's another heartbreaking scene that kind of shows where Satine's head is and like where um, Christian's head is, and, you go, and he's like, "We'll run away, we'll run away," and and her she goes but the show and Christian goes, I don't care about the show. We have each other. That's all that matters. And then Satine is like, you're, you're, you're right. Like we're in love. We have each other, which is a complete like change from where she was earlier. But also like, she knows that she's not quite right at this point. And, but like not the extent of it. And she's like, you know what? Yes, I will run away with you. Like you are the first person that doesn't care about like what i am or what i'm doing like you love me for me and then she goes to her dressing room and she starts packing and i appreciate that she starts packing her jewels i know. I love that i was like yes we love a practical woman practical woman she's like oh, yeah pack my jewels pack my jewels <laughs> and and then but ziedler is there and this is where i kind of start to ugly cry um because he he Zither tells Satine that the duke will have Christian killed if she sees him again you know she has to end it and then Zither says and you go and and Satine goes but he loves me he'll fight for me and Zither goes you're an actress hurt him make him believe that you don't love him hurt him to save him and then and Satine is like you know my whole life You were the, you only made me believe that I was worth what people would pay for me. But Christian loves me. And then. That's when he drops the bomb. He goes, you're dying. And if you look at it, the birds in the cage are in the background of the close up on her face where she says, I'm dying. And it's just. yeah and their tears are running down her face the light is there she's you know she's her skin is glowing she's like i'm dying and you know the piano is playing in the background and the birds are in the back it's all very symbolic and that i mean i'm ugly crying there and i ugly cry through the rest of it obviously but that is just so fantastic and then we get Ziegler's song of the show must go on and the shot of satine like putting on her makeup and then putting down the net, which is also very symbolic. Mm-hmm. And then walking out through the empty theater. Ugh. And then, uh, I and, mean, that uh, whole
1: part is super symbolic because he's talking about carrying on the show because the show must go on. And she's clearly treating this as like a funeral. It's a time of mourning for her because she's having to get this, clo- has to close this one chapter that has... Kind of, it's it's kind of like when you and I, when we when we have to get on our shit, we're just like, lock it down, lock it down, keep moving. And that's and you and you see that represented in how she's approaching, how buttoned up she is in in her costuming. It's all portraying a message.
0: And, and earlier, she says, you know, two days a day when dreaming ends. Like she she gets it. She you know she's she's locked in, and just it's a uh, Nicole Kidman just absolutely kills it in this role but as soon as she like walks out in her outfit to go tell Christian that she's done with him and that she chooses the Duke she does like a tilt with her head and like puts a little like sway in her step and you can tell like she's on she's on Mm -hmm. now and it's just fantastic oh my god like right after this is when you, st- when you started, when you got set off with your crying, Jess. Right. Like
1: I, this is the first time, this is one of my favorite movies. I and mean, I know I'm posting a TikTok about it if I haven't already by the time this episode airs, um, that I sent to you where I go, Oh, this is one of my favorite movies. The soundtrack's so fun. Blah, blah, blah. And I'm mocking myself because I'm sobbing. This is the first time that I watched this movie and cried. Um, I was set off. I, and, I, I was and I knew you had been crying and I was just like, oh, well, you know what? Maybe this is just not a movie that's going to make me upset. It's, And that's fine. That's fine. I cry through everything else. Um, but the, the line that Toulouse says where he's kind of just like talking to Christian, Christian's wrapped up in a blanket on his bed, like fucking mood. I get that. I felt that. <laughs> And then Luce comes to him and he goes, I know about art and love if only because I long for it with every fiber of my being. Like, I think it triggered me so much because of the whole book world and how immersed I've been in loving love like I do love love I could still be skeptical and I could still be practical but just that all-consuming love that Toulouse is like it's also like that um that saying coaches don't play (laughs) that's what it reminded me of because I am always the person who gives advice now people are like how do you how do you have such good advice you're totally right I should keep listening to you Well, you know, I've gone through some shit, you know, and I'm open to anything organically. But to hear Toulouse say that, that set me off. And then, of course, the rest of the movie, now that Satine knows that she's dying, all of her choices she's actively making are knowing that she doesn't have much longer. And everything's to save Christian in a way.
0: Yeah, At it's, this all, point. It's, it's all it's all for
1: Christian. Mm-hmm. Um and he's just he's you know obviously he's upset. Um but she she's like you said she's on. She's actively thinking knowing that she's not going to be here for much longer. And he's so and awful to her, right? Like he's so uh and and in her dying breath her choices are revolving around him and what she wants him to do and how she wants him to fight for them and honor them. Ugh. Oh,
0: and and so Christian sells his typewriter and he... To um, throw money at her! What a fucking prick! What does he say? He says, uh, you know... I've paid my whore. I've paid my whore. I owe you nothing. And you are nothing to me. And oh. then, oh my God. <sighs> Uh, and they're on stage. They're on stage, right? Like, so you know, oh, this this starts backstage where he finds her, and he's like, "But why shouldn't I pay you? Why shouldn't I pay you? Tell me you don't love me." And he's like screaming this, and she won't, and she and won't because she, she can't. And and you know, and then Marie is like, "You've got to get on the stage," and her cue comes up, and then the doors open, and she's on her knees, and he's like above her, like holding her hands, which is exactly what Roxanne. That 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 move is an exact dance move from Roxanne, which makes complete sense because he is consumed by his jealousy at this point. So that's mm-hmm. a little like throwback there. Beautiful, beautifully done.
1: And you know, tell me, Siddler isn't the. Firstborn, without telling me that he's the first he is on his shit he's always on he's spinning it when he goes oh look it is the penniless guitar player we have magic it's the same person he just shaved I and cannot just, be fooled uh, and my eyes do not deceive like, it's just and even with the coming up with the quick quick lie with the duke earlier in the movie this time I go he's a firstborn I know that shit anyway <laughs> and i think we've had that conversation before when we'll be reading things and i go there are so many other better lies that they could have come up with because you just gotta you just gotta learn you just as a firstborn woman in a hispanic family you just learn okay whatever that be
0: oh my god uh so i love this end piece the the costumes, the music, the the story, just all of it, everything is just is so beautiful. And on film, it just jumps right. And you know, the stage with the heart and the lights, just just all of it. And then we have Christian throwing money at her feet, just like he said. You know, I mean, it's all. And then he he storms off through the theater, and then Satine like rallies herself, right? Like she she like oh. During her sad Hindi opening, she stumbles for a minute, right? And she, she like has to catch her breath, but then she's on again, and she does it. And at this point, she's having this like emotional breakdown, and she knows that she's dying. So because of what has been set up in the, the rest of the movie, we know when her emotions are high, she starts to have her symptoms. She rallies herself and sings a beautiful rendition of Come What May. In front of everybody, Christian turns around. He starts singing it too. They have this moment on stage, and then the Duke, you know, wants to have him killed and they shoot him and, you know, whatever. And then that whole thing happens. And then the end is the most beautiful piece of cinema, I think, ever. Satine dead. This is what it is Satine dead in Christian's arms. The rose petals are falling down. The curtain is there. And it's a slow pan, like from, from them, a slow pan up and everyone is silent. And then the, the, the guys in the rigging are silent. And then it goes out over and the crowd is standing up and screaming and cheering. And that is just, obviously I'm in a ball at this point, just like ugly crying, but it is so beautiful. And that is the image in my head when I think of this movie because it's like, The white, she's in her wedding dress and the keys in his and like the pink and then the red and the gold and ugh. Ugh. And then the dude storms out. Yeah, he storms out. And it just,
1: seeing that scene with the audience, it's just a perfect example of, I mean, if anything, it could be a reflection, I don't know if it's satire, of media kind of rallying and cheering and not knowing what's going on, truly going on behind the scenes. You know, we're just, they're cheering for something that's being depicted and you have no idea what's really, it's just, it's just a perfect example of you don't, you have no idea what somebody is going through, you know, and all the world is stage; We're just mere players and they think that all this, their story unfolded on stage right before their eyes, their true love story, the, the murder attempt, the dying, and they just view it as entertainment. I feel like it's just very
0: Banksy would appreciate that. See? No, absolutely. Abs- absolutely. Ugh. And of course, that is very, um, you know, we're recording this right after uh, Brittany's testimony. So you could, you know, throw it back to that, too. Like we mm-hmm. we didn't we we knew kind of, but we didn't really know and that that is very much reflected here in this this end and it is just so beautiful and it you know it closes out with christian doing what Satine told him to do and telling their story and like writing it out and he's kind of like finding a little peace and joy and like reflecting on their story but oh my god and then it ends a story about love and a love that will live forever the end and then curtains credits done and and I remember in the theater, it was silent. It was absolutely silent. Nobody said a word because I'm sure, like, everyone was expecting some, not, not, not so much a happy ending because we knew in the beginning that Satine was dead, but the tragedy of it all, especially like, cause we were young, just really sticks with you. And, like, I remember looking at Anne-Marie and, like, you know, she's dry-eyed. I'm sobbing. And it was just, like, this is the most magical thing that I have ever seen. I
1: can't imagine seeing it on a big screen like that. Like, how beautiful. How beautiful
0: that must have been. It was. We were sitting in the, um like, the balcony uh, of it. So we had, like, you know the first row of, like, the balcony. Where's
1: the movie theater? Is it by the
0: mall? uh that one no that one was out like by my high school oh okay there was only one big theater at the time it was out by my high school uh now there's several but at the time there's only one and uh yeah we were on the balcony There was nobody in front of us like we had a perfect view of the screen and it was 10 o'clock in the morning so there weren't a lot of people there anyway but oh my god just just the vibe when you came out you were just like exhausted and, and like processing everything and kind of like overstimulated And it's just, it's the best thing that I have ever seen. When you were
1: saying, because I remember seeing it last night and I, I gave you, like, literally the credits are rolling and I'm sobbing in my video to you. I knew it was the end. I knew she died. I knew all the pieces are there. I just don't know why I didn't process it emotionally that I was going to be that upset at the end of this. But again, we've talked about. Life experiences and rewatching things. Um, technical question: If if Satine had tuberculosis, tuberculosis is contagious. Why doesn't Christian have it? With all like the good times they. That's an excellent, that's an excellent question. (laughs) That's that's me being that person who, just like when we dissect fantasy and sci-fi and go, no, Jessica, you just, just, just watch, just read. Just, just why are you questioning things? It made me wonder, I go, huh, how come he doesn't have?
0: (laughs) You could say, "Mm, no, because even, because he, it said like he comes from like a rich background, but he was with her for that whole time. So you would think.
1: Right. So then I, so then I looked into how tuberculosis is spread because i'm that person and it says tuberculosis is spread from one person to the next through the air when people who have active tb in their lungs cough spit sneeze or see or sneeze or speak she did all the things making, yeah they were making out every every which way which even when they were sneaking around i get it we've all been i like to assume we've all been through this like the sneak, it makes things fun it makes things fun but don't act surprised when you got caught yeah, for like real. You always get haven't we all learned that with the sneaking around, you're going to get caught
0: at some point? So it's just a matter of how long till you get caught. They you know and at that point like Zeder just like looks up in the balcony like they're not hiding it when when he says like I saw you together. Right. Like, he was just like yeah you were right there. Like literally just you looked weren't right like, there. You were like
1: around right you were just in this open. And then that also threw me off and I go see what I ate. She couldn't tell Christian you got lipstick all over your fucking face or when the the duke would just burst into the door and it's just smeared everywhere. <laughs>
0: Ugh, magical! You have to suspend your <laughs> suspend the belief a little bit, but it's still right. abs- absolutely magical. Um, Jess' favorite scene. Oh, um, I, I really want to say Roxanne. I just mm-hmm. that just
1: that just from the beginning of the storytelling all the way to Chocolat saving Satine. That whole ten minute sequence is
0: beautiful. It's beautiful. What about yours? I don't know. I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think. I mean, the the end with the curtain, as I said, um, is is what sticks out to me. But you know, is something that I haven't talked about that I that made me really love Nicole Kidman as Satine uh, was when she's doing her Diamonds Are a Girl's Best Friend in the very beginning, and she has to do the costume change with Ziedler. and you know, she and he's like, uh, you know, the Duke is here, and he, and she's like, oh, what's his type? uh you know wilting flower smoldering temptress yeah and she goes through like hmm, smoldering temptress hi you know he's like definitely smoldering temptress but her and then she's like a real actress it, it's just like the 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 framing that they do in the shot with her hair and like her eyes and her expression and her voice and like now we know that she had her her ribs were messed up so she filmed that in a wheelchair um, just, just really beautiful. And, you know, that's not my favorite scene, but it's something that stands out that nobody talks about. And, um, you know, just all the love to Nicole Kidman on this.
1: I didn't know that this whole time it was, I thought it was her hair. They used a wig the mm-hmm. entire time. I mean, she, I know she's a natural blonde. She's, she's one a redhead. Of the, she's she, a redhead. In real life. Mm-hmm. I thought she was a natural blonde. Right. She's a redhead. She's got curly oh. red hair. Okay, because I was going to say she's one of those people who should be a natural redhead. I didn't realize. I thought it was the other way around. I thought it was like Emma Stone, where Emma Ah. Stone's a natural blonde, but she just gets casted more when she's in redhead roles. She's a redhead.
0: Yeah. Uh, In Nicole's early movies, she has her natural curly red hair. Like in Practical Magic. Yeah, and um, I think like Far and Away, when she met Tom Cruise from the 80s. Oh, no, I'm thinking of Out of Africa. I think that's the title of it. Eh, anyway, uh, but yeah, it, it, she's wonderful. She's absolutely wonderful. Everything is wonderful. Watch this movie. I, I cannot stress enough just how beautiful it is. And, and 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 if you love this movie, give some love to Strictly Ballroom. Give some love to um, Romeo and Juliet because those are of the same style and the the storytelling devices are are different. So in Strictly Ballroom they use dancing. In Romeo and Juliet they use words. And in this one they use music. But it's all clearly Boz. And, and Boz just knew what he was doing with these three and watch them watch them now. What's your takeaway? My takeaway my takeaway is that as an adult you should rewatch the things that you love from your childhood to see if they stand up because a lot of them don't And the things that do will change your life. Yeah,
1: absolutely. I mean, that's part of the reason we love doing this is kind of revisiting those things and seeing if they hit harder. Or You go, what
0: was I thinking? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Um, And I find this with a lot of, like, 90s movies that I've rewatched. Like, some of them are complete garbage, but the ones that are good are fantastic.
1: I still watch She's All That. It's such a comfort movie. I mean, no way did it age well. At all, um, but I I have a comfort. I, I, I love Freddie. Me some Freddie Prince Jr. That's what I should have realized that I was I. That I yeah, I, there was a guy in our high school who he was a senior and I was a freshman, and he was a Freddie Prince Jr. lookalike, and me and my friend we had such a crush on him but we were the only two freshmen who were willing to talk to him and i remember we were he, like we had senior auction which was basically just buy a senior so you own them um and he was upset that we didn't buy him for a senior auction his your, your girlfriend would have kicked our ass like that's
0: why we didn't buy you we're freshmen what are we thinking uh that's a whole other conversation about auctioning <laughs> off Believe me, there are the
1: problematic things
0: of the South that I wish I know. Lots of lots of problematic things. You say your comfort movie is, she's all that. I think mine would have to be Empire Records or Donnie Darko. So maybe these three movies we could also revisit sometime in the future.
1: We should totally do like '90s stuff. I'm sure other people. You know what it is. It's nice that. We, we, we love talking to everybody and hearing people's feedback and seeing. It's nice to sh- have so many shared interests because sometimes it's like, Oh my gosh, I completely forgot about that movie. And I still have not seen Donnie Darko or Empire Records, despite you having posters in your dorm room. I just, I never. So there is a point in our lives. And even now, just like with people's TBRs, there's so much content out there. Where are you going to have the time? Absolutely. Maybe that's why the critics were so nasty with the reviews for this movie. They were just so bitter. They had so much shit to review. And by the time they got to this one, they were just over it. They go, Fuck life. I just don't like this title. Just get me home.
0: It has an exclamation point in the title. one of of those little yeah you can't
1: type in Moulin I mean you can technically but when you type in Moulin Rouge in Google it'll initially bring you to the actual Moulin Rouge which Laura you've been to but it doesn't but then you have to look for Moulin Rouge exclamation when you're looking for information for this movie
0: I went to the Moulin Rouge in Paris a couple of years ago and it was absolutely fantastic I've never had more fun in in a situation like that Um, drunk off champagne watching live snakes chocolate dancers and miniature ponies and having the time of my life bucket list item bucket list item absolutely the post fantastic. Of moulin rouge i
1: got right now is over in the theater district so
0: but that <laughs> Which is just as beautiful just like as the good.
1: it the i think i sent you pictures um and the
0: exterior for the marquee it, it's it's a sight to behold you're very lucky everyone's very lucky um that's it that's all i've got so feel
1: free to follow us on Instagram at Acafe Podcast and follow us on TikTok, Acafe Laura and Acafe Jessica. And also, please feel free to leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. I don't even know how it really works because I don't think all the streaming services, but we'd really appreciate it. And
0: hopefully we'll have some more um, raffles and stuff coming soon. And if you have movies that you would like us to review, drop them in comments. Let us know because uh, we would love to do that. Please.
1: And thank you for listening. Thank you for taking the time. We appreciate everybody. Thanks. Thank you. Bye. Bye.